Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild. But do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking, where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark. Join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon. I am your host Michael Moorcroft and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is... The Mage as well. Hey Majors, welcome back to the show and thanks for tuning in. So what have I got planned today? Well, a few of you have messaged me saying how you enjoyed the Manx Folklore episode that I did with Honey and the Hex. So I thought I'd look into Manx Folklore again but theme at this time around famous witches of the island. I mentioned in the She episodes that the Isle of Man, as well as Ireland and the Highlands in Scotland, that they mostly escaped the witch trials that plunged Europe into suspicion and chaos, and they escaped on account of how prevalent the belief in the Fae was. The Fae were seen as kind of a scapegoat for anything that went wrong on the island, And it took the limelight off local cunning women who could have been blamed and punished for the mishaps. This all being said, there is still a long line of powerful witches throughout Isle of Man history and folklore. According to Professor Ronald Hutton, a famous folklorist, quote, In the Middle Ages, the Isle of Man had the reputation of being the part of the British Isles most steeped in sorcery. And I'm going to speak about these witches today. Some are based in folklore and some on historical fact. But first, what is happening this week, I hear you ask? Well, today is International Tolerance Day. And I want to say tolerance is a wonderful attribute. But on the flip side, intolerance should never be tolerated. And when I say this, this isn't just for today, but every day, if you're feeling or seeing something that you know is wrong, say something. Because silence is support. Tomorrow, the 17th, we've got World Philosophy Day. That celebrates the movement and the development of human thought. There are loads of philosophy podcasts and books out there if you want to get involved. Monday, the 21st, is Hello World Day. The aim of the game is to greet 10 people, followed by Go For A Ride Day on Tuesday, the 22nd. This day celebrates transportation of any kind, and it just encourages you to get out in the world. And that's it. That's the key dates for this week. With that, 
let's move on to the show. My first tale, and actually one of the oldest legends on the island, is about the Tehitei, a very famous enchantress. Her name has origins in to pick and choose, and through her magic, she made herself incredibly alluring, so much so that she ensnared the hearts of men who gazed upon her. Now, so engrossed by her they became that nothing else mattered to them. Their fields weren't ploughed or sowed, their houses fell into disrepair, their gardens filled with weeds, their once fertile fields filled with stones, and cattle died from neglect. The men looked dishevelled, and of those who actually had relationships, they failed, as the men only had interest in the tehi-tegi. So, with one smile, she'd bewitched all of these men, and wherever she went, a trail of them followed behind her in total admiration. Riding a white horse, she travelled through the island's provinces, with 600 men following her. Now approaching a deep river, she used her magic to make it look passable, and when the men started crossing, Tehitegi used her magic again to whip up the winds and drive the waters into the river, drowning the men in its tumultuous depths. Tehitegi transformed herself into a bat and flew off, while her horse changed into a porpoise and disappeared into the river. It's thought that Tehitegi is the sea personified, whereby the men would go to sea in the summer months and then not return, causing the land to remain unworked. It's been told so many times over the centuries that it has alternative endings, where she's shot down by a wizard as she's flying away. Another version is where Mananen, who is the god king of the island, you might remember him from my Honey and the Hex episode, he turns her into a wren, which is a type of bird whereby she returns to the island every Boxing Day, and it was a popular custom to hunt a wren on that day, and if it wasn't killed by the end of the day, she was allowed to return to the island and wreak havoc. Now, The Witch of Sluelian is my next story, and it's a very popular one. So, it begins with fishermen getting ready to go off to sea. It was a calm, clear day, and the sailing conditions were perfect, Now, a basin of water was taken from a holy well and given to the local wise woman, who sold good winds. You might remember from my air magic episode that there were witches who tied wind into rope, and sailors, upon unpicking the knots, would release favourable wind. The sailors asked the wise woman what would the outcome be of the fishing trip. Bending over the water, she looked into the basin, and her face paled. She warned them of wild waves, surges, and corpses floating in the sea, and only one boat would return. Silence roared in the men's ears as they took in her words, and the captain of the fleet stepped forward. Grabbing the basin of water, he flung it into the sea, shouting that he was alive, and threatened to throw her in after the basin. Dismissing her prediction, he gathered his men, and they set sail. Finding the best spot, they waited till nightfall to cast their nets, but as soon as they did, the weather changed. Winds howled and the sea churned and swelled. The ships tossed about like toys dragging their anchors behind them. Lightning flashed across the sky. 
They hoisted their sails, hurrying to get back to land, but the waves formed like mountains before them, crashing the fleet into the rocky coast, dashing the ships to pieces. But one ship survived. The men on the ship had a relation with the merfolk and would give them offerings, and in return, the sailors had been warned about the storm. Acting on the advice, they returned home safely. No, the story doesn't end well for our wise woman. The community claimed it was her who raised the storm and killed the fisherman. Taking her to the hill, Slowelian, they put her into a barrel with spikes inside and rolled her down the hillside. Once it reached the bottom, it sank into the bog. Now many years passed, and there was a bare track down the hillside where nothing grew, garnering the name, The Witch's Way, on account of where the barrel rolled down, and every year to the day of her death, screams are said to be heard. Now, looking into the history of the ending of the story with her being executed, it doesn't look like it actually happened. It looks like it was imported from somewhere else in the UK and took root here in order to deter witchcraft. There is no history of the hill as a place where punishment against witches was carried out. And interestingly, I was at a Halloween party there this year, and it's an unsettling place. And I spoke to someone who said they'd been on the hill the morning after Halloween a few years ago, and they reported seeing a circle of candles and three cow's hearts within this circle. And another time they found another circle of candles and wax dripped onto a tree. So regardless of its history, the hill seems to be a hotspot for local witches. The old woman of the spells, Okalagni Guskeg, was adept in chiromancy or palm reading, and could do a great many charms and spells, but her greatest ability was telling the future. She was a Sybil-like figure on the island, said to be an Irish witch who had actually been thrown in the sea by locals. She survived, floating until she reached the shores of the island on February 1st, called Kalaki Gromer's Day, whereby she proceeded to gather sticks to build a fire to dry herself out. Now, the spring that year was a wet one, disrupting planting for the farmers. Now, every February 1st, she repeats this tradition of building a fire to dry her clothes. Now, if it's a wet day and her sticks won't light, it's said to be a dry spring. If it's a dry day and she manages to get the fire going, spring will be a wet one. Another popular folktale, and one that's got quite a famous song about it, is Beradrone. She lived in one of the valleys in the north of the island. She was the queen of the witches and quite a notorious cattle thief. So one night she steals an ox, skins it and divides it amongst her friends, but she was captured. Now she was found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging, yet somehow she escaped her punishment. And on her way home, she stole another goat. Now, where she originally killed the ox and divided it up was at a pool called Lingberadone. This pool was said to be used by local girls for divination purposes to show who they would marry. Now, on the island, Halloween is called Hoptune, and rather than pumpkin lanterns, turnips are used. There's also a little chant that kids sing. There's loads of versions, and the original is much longer. But the main part goes, hop tune, hop tune. Ginny the witch flew over the house to get the stick to lather the mouse. Hop tune, hop tune. Your mother's gone away and she won't be back until the morning. 
Now, Ginny the Witch is actually based on a person called Joni Lowney, who was accused of witchcraft 300 years ago. It was one of the most famous witch trials on the island. She was accused of cursing, killing livestock, casting the evil eye, and curdling milk. The crime that saw her before the courts was actually cursing a mill. The mill produced wheat, which was supposed to be the worst on the island, and it was used to feed the poor. Joni was probably fed this wheat and wasn't happy about it, hence the cursing and the mill breaking. But more testimonies came out about her. Generally speaking, if people slighted her or refused her things, unfortunate things would happen to them later that day. Cattle would fall down dead or people would get sick. But witnesses did come to her defence, saying she was a healer and she helped sick children, providing herbal remedies. There was one testimony that particularly stood out, whereby a baby was gravely sick. Now, the child was so sick that Joni was actually reluctant to help, but was persuaded by the mother, on the condition that if the child didn't recover, Joni couldn't be blamed because this child was so ill and so near death. But, chanting over some water that she then gave to the child, it made a full recovery. Now, Joni got sentenced to two weeks in prison, whereby she had to pray to God and ask to be forgiven. And after this, she had to seek penance in every church and chapel on the Isle of Man. She was then to stand in the market wearing a sackcloth with, for practices in sorcery and witchcraft, written on her, and she was fined three pounds. She was lucky. Had she been in England, she most certainly would have been sentenced to death. On the flip side, we've got Margaret in Aquain and her son, which is quite a sad and interesting tale. Now, Margaret was caught performing a fertility rite over a field to ensure good crops, it's thought, and she was taken to court where she was found guilty and she was sentenced to death by burning, as well as her son. It went ahead and the son was actually strapped to her, And it really shocked the local community, so much so that witches who were found guilty after Margaret's case, they were given less harsh sentences. Margaret and her son's death in 1617 were the last cases of burning witches. And speaking of being sentenced under witchcraft, there was actually a curious case on the island in the late 80s, whereby a man and his girlfriend wanted to kill his ex-wife who wouldn't acknowledge the divorce. Now, the man's girlfriend was interested in witchcraft and came up with a plan. They lured the wife to a local graveyard at midnight. Pushing her into an open grave, they began to recite incantations and perform a ritual around her, whereby her death would ensue. It didn't work, and the wife escaped. But the police afterwards had a difficult time charging them. Attempted murder wouldn't really fit. The best that they had was common assault, which would carry a few weeks in prison. But in the late 80s, you could still be sentenced for witchcraft. It was still on the books. It was a historical law that hadn't been used for a while, but it would give them two years. The sentence carried, and the duo were the last people on the island sentenced for witchcraft. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to talk about another case, but first it requires some context around hares. Now, hares on the island, they've got a very unsettling place within folklore and belief. Witches, it's believed, could easily turn themselves into hares, and every parish has tales of old women transforming in the middle of the night. There's also a belief that once a witch dies, she transforms into a hare, which resulted in this tradition of not eating hares on the island in case it transformed into its original state, and poachers were quite reluctant to kill the creatures in case they killed an old ancestor or one that was still alive. There's tales of hares disappearing over hedges, and then on the other side, an old woman is walking. Or sometimes, there's other tales of injuring one, and sometimes later, a local suspected witch is walking with a limp. Now, this ability to transform was called rough under the foot. And there's another famous story where a man suspected of being a witch made a curious comment of which fields in the local area tasted sweet and which ones tasted bitter. And white or light-coloured hairs spotted near a house were said to foretell of fires, and the fat of hairs is particularly useful for divination. And interestingly, children born with a hair lip, they occupied a dubious space, having either powerful abilities to transform or the lip was seen as a mark by an ancestor's ability to do so. There's another famous tale about a hare, whereby a farmer saw one in his field. He noticed that it stopped to watch his ploughing horses, who instantly all fell dead. Realising that an evil eye had been cast, he ran to where he spotted the hare and collected some of the dirt where it had stood. Sprinkling this dirt over the horses, they were restored to life. It's quite a common belief that dust within somebody's footstep is very powerful. Bearing this all in mind, nearly 50 years after Margaret Inaquane and her son were sentenced to death, another case pops up of Elizabeth Kewen. 
accused of casting evil spells upon cattle, crops, and churning, and that she transforms herself into a hare. There were lots of testimonies and evidence against her, but one that stands out is an account from Catherine Norris. She claimed for 12 years she couldn't successfully rear a calf or make butter or cheese right. Throughout this time, Elizabeth is in and out of her house, visiting, asking favours, etc. Now one day, Catherine goes to Elizabeth and attacks her, dragging her nails down Elizabeth's face and punching her nose to draw blood. This sounds a little unhinged, but there is a belief on the island that if you draw blood out of a witch who's cursed you, she becomes powerless. Now Catherine afterwards discovers that she can raise calves and make butter and cheese. There's also witnesses to her transformational abilities, one of which is a man who spies a hare in his lands, and he watches it disappear into a hedge. Looking over the other side is Elizabeth. She was sentenced to do penance on three Sundays at three different churches, and once the three vicars confirmed that Elizabeth had attended, she completed her penance. The final witch that I want to speak about is Nan Wade, Born in 1800, I think. There's not a lot of information on her life, and I did some digging and pulled that date from a picture of her suspected gravestone. That wasn't the clearest. So I think she was born 1800. And she was a wise woman, famous for her healing and charming abilities, which people from all over the island travelled for. There are numerous testimonies to her work, so I've picked out a few favourites. One being a family had a horse who was deathly sick and it wouldn't eat and it was clearly on the way out. So the family, they went to Nan, who told them to go to a crossroads, get some dirt and to absolutely cover the horse in it. They did so and the next morning the horse was made better. A dog goes missing and after much searching, the owner went to Nan Asking its description, she then goes to an adjoining room for a short while and she returns, telling the owner that it's not alive on the island. So then he asks, okay, is it alive or is it dead? And she goes to the neighbouring room and comes back a short while later. She describes the location of his house to a T and told him to go to the nearby river and follow the current of the eastern bank. Returning home, He follows her instructions and he discovers the body of his dog. He concluded it had been killed by his neighbours who he was fighting with and he also swore that Nan couldn't have possibly known the details around his house and his land. Another tale tells of a man's wife who fell gravely ill after giving birth. Now numerous doctors had given all the treatments they could but to no avail. Now a friend tells the husband to speak to Nan Reluctant at first, he reconsiders, wanting to make sure he's tried everything to heal his wife. Now Nan gives him some herbs to make into a tea for his wife, and she makes a full recovery, and then goes on to have this huge family. Nan is famous for healing many, and was a powerful herb charmer, and her methods around harvesting herbs are also spoken about and recorded. There's no mention of picking herbs, it's called lifting and they must be lifted while uttering a charm. The inflicted must have the herb lifted specifically for them, as a lifting won't help multiple people, that's not how it works, and the person's name and what the herb will cure must be chanted while lifting. 
three, six, seven, or nine pieces of the plant must be lifted from different places. The more pieces, the more potent, but three will do if the plant is scarce. And the lifter, it said, will be able to tell if the herbs will work and how long the sickness will last. In 1951, the witch's mill opened on the island, a museum to witchcraft and magic. The owner, Cecil Williamson, sold it in 1954, half to his wife, Gwendolyn, and the other section to Gerald Gardner, the man responsible for bringing wicker into the mainstream. The museum remained open until the 1970s, when Gardner's heir sold its contents to the Ripley's company. Meanwhile, Cecil Williamson opened another witchcraft museum in the UK, moving multiple times due to local opposition, before finally settling in Boscastle in 1960, where it still stands today and known as the Museum of British Folklore, and it's famous throughout the world. The history and folklore around witchcraft on the Isle of Man may have been a factor in Cecil opening his original museum on the island. I'd like to think that the witches that I've spoken about today paved that road. Special thanks to Will Holden, who helped me with the pronunciation with this episode. And that's it. That's a wrap for today's show. If you've liked today's show, you could leave a review wherever you've listened, It really means a lot to me and it really helps the podcast get found and discovered and for it to grow. It really does help and it only takes a minute and yeah, I would really appreciate it. Alternatively, you can support me on Patreon. You can support me on Buy Me A Coffee. Even just telling your mates about it, text about the show, every little helps. Now, before I go, I do have a poem. And it's the Song of the Witches, Double, Double, Toil and Trouble, by William Shakespeare from Macbeth. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble, fillet of a fenny snake in the cauldron boil and bake, eye of newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog, adder's fork and blind worm sting, lizard's leg and howlet's wing, for a charm of powerful trouble, like a hell broth boil and bubble. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble, cool it with a baboon's blood, then the charm is firm and good. Peace out, witches, and I'll see you at the crossroads. (laughs) 